All right. Well, I hope that that was an encouragement to you. Uh, each person was a uh, an answer to prayer. Each person is a life that has been changed because you gave and someone was able to go. Now, I don't think the Lord needs me, but it's good to be in God's plan and just be a part of His plan. Because if God won't use me, He'll find somebody else to go to those fields. And maybe some of the young men in this room today will someday God will send around the world. So, Pastor asked me to give my personal testimony uh, before we get into the message this morning. Um, I, I'm going to do it since the kids aren't here. My children hate it when I do it this way, but I don't care. I'm going to do it this way anyway. So I was born in the city of Boston. Now, Boston is a delightful place in America, in Massachusetts, you see. I was born into an Irish and Italian Catholic type of a family. And so they tell me when I was a wee little bit of a baby that my mother and my father, they took me to the church and the priest took me in his arms and he put a wee bit of drop of water upon my head and said, this washes away my sin and makes me a member of the church. Now, when I was about five years old, I went into the phone box in the back of the room in the church, and I told one sinner, told all of his sins to the other sinner, my sins, and he said he forgave me of all my sins, but the truth is no man can forgive another man's sins, amen? But we call that confession in the church. And then at the age of uh, five, I also took first communion. At the age of 12, the bishop slapped me in the face, and he said, you're now a soldier of the cross, receive the Holy Spirit, and I became a, a full adult member of the Catholic Church, but... You know, you see, no man can take away another man's sins. No man can give another man the Holy Spirit. Only God can do those things. And so as a young man, I, was, uh, I, was, I became very disillusioned with religion. And so I stopped and I fell away from the church. And I started running the streets. And I was involved in a very bad lifestyle. And I got very heavily involved in a life of uh, drugs and alcohol and criminal activity. I was arrested and I uh, was involved in a very, very wicked life. I, became, I came from a broken, dysfunctional family. And so I ran the streets a lot. But God is good. Amen? Amen. God is really good. And he's patient with people, even lost sinners. He's very merciful and patient. Amen. And God knew where I was and God knew what I was doing. And even though everyone else... Yeah, bo- kids, boys, young men, I shouldn't say kids, you're your young men. Young men, you know that, that, that punk in school, that kid in the neighborhood that your mother says, don't hang around with him, you will get in trouble if you hang around with him. How many know somebody like that? Your parents, you know what I'm talking about? Okay, I'm that, I was that kid. <laughs> I was that one that everyone's mother said, don't hang around with that kind of a kid. And so one day, God sent a little bitty woman, she's about that tall, and she was about that wide, and she looked up at me. Now, she's one of the very few people in life that does look up at me. And she looked at me and she smiled. She said, young man, would you like to come with me to church tonight? And I said, well, I've got nothing else to do. I might as well. So I climbed into the van with the others. And we took that little van and we went to church. And the man of God stood in the front and opened the word of God. And the Holy Spirit of God took the preaching of the word of God and began to convict me and speak to my soul and said, that's you he's talking about. That's you he's preaching about. And I kept sweating, thinking, how does he know my whole life story? And so uh, God convicted me. And I sat over here with the assistant pastor and he opened the Bible and showed me that I was on my way to hell, that I needed Jesus to save me. I didn't need religion. I didn't need to go to church. I needed to get saved. And so he opened the Bible to me that night. And I said, Mr., I know I'm going to hell. I know I need to be saved. He said, will you trust Christ as your Savior? I said, yes. And I asked Christ to save me from my sin, which would take me to hell. And my life has never been the same since. 
And I praise God forever. I've been saved for 30 years now, and it has just been a joy. It has been, it's the greatest thing in the universe is to be saved forever and know you're going to be with the Lord. So I, uh, I'd already signed up to spend four years in the military, in the Marines. And long story short, I spent four years in the Marines. And when I was in church again, a missionary came through and preached. And he opened the Bible. And uh, the Spirit of God said, I want you to preach. Now, I told the Lord, I will serve you. I'll be an independent Baptist. I'll be in local church. I'll, I'll soul win Sunday school teach. I'll be a deacon. God, I will do everything you want, but one thing I will not do. I will not get out of the Marine Corps. That's the one thing you can't have, God. Everything else you can have. I'll marry a, a good girl in church. We'll raise our family in church. We'll read the Bible together every day, but I will not give up my career choice that I've made. And the Holy Spirit said in not so many words, oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. And he put his finger of conviction on my heart and said, I want you to preach. I said, I don't want to preach. I don't want to do this. God, but God said, I want you to do this. So I came down the aisle and I surrendered that night and God called me to preach the gospel. Amen. Folks, be willing to give up and let go of the one thing that you won't give up. What direction you have in your life. I'm God, you can't do this. Because if you'll follow God, you'll never regret it. Amen? Amen. And we know that's true. And so the Lord called me to preach, and uh, we surrendered to Ireland at Cleveland Baptist Church, and we have been in Ireland for 16 years. So that is my personal testimony of how God saved me. I hope you have a personal testimony. Amen? I hope that you, uh, I hope that you know that you know, that you are sure that you know that one day when you leave this world, you'll be in heaven with Jesus Christ. So um, this morning, I'd like you to join me. I'm going to preach you this morning. I know this is your missions month, so I'd like to talk to you a little bit, if I can, out of the book. We're going to start in the book of Philippians. I want you to go to the very last chapter of Philippians, the last chapter of Philippians. My wife said, Jerome, I think you preached that sermon you were here last time. I said, it doesn't matter. No one remembers my sermons anyway. So will you turn with me uh, to the book of Philippians? But I didn't. I know I remember what I preached here last time. So would you stand with me as we read the book of Philippians? We're going to look in the, uh, the book of Philippians in chapter number four this morning. Chapter number four. And we're going to begin reading our reading this morning in verse number 10. Chapter number four, the book of Philippians. We begin reading verse number 10. We'll read to verse 20. Let's read together what the Bible says, what God says, as Paul speaks to the local church in the city of Philippi. But I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein ye were also careful, but ye lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content." I know both how to be abased and I know how to be abound. Everywhere and in all things, I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. Verse 13, I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. Notwithstanding, ye have well done that ye did communicate with my affliction. Now ye Philippians know also in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. For even in Thessalonica ye sent once and again unto my necessity, not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. But I have all and abound. I am full, having received of Epaphroditus, 
the things which were sent from you, an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Now unto God and our Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. May God bless the public reading of his word. Let's pray together, all right? Father, we love you. Lord Jesus, we need you. Holy Spirit of God, I need you. I pray that I would be faithful. I pray that I would say things from your word that are accurate and true. We pray, Holy Spirit, that I would preach in your spirit, but we also ask that your people would listen, make a conscious effort to hear your voice, Lord, through the words of God and the Holy Spirit. Pray you bless the church. We thank you for Pastor Alter. We thank you for his under-shepherding of the Grace Baptist Church. Father, thank you for those who came out in this weather to hear your word preached. We pray you bless now in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. you may be seated this morning. Again, I'd like to uh, start off by way of uh, when I was a young man, I started talking about my testimony. I was 18 years old and I was a brand new Christian. I didn't know anything. I'd just come out of Romanism and I was a Marine now. And uh, every Friday night, the men from the Baptist church, the Marines would get together and they would get a stack of what gospel tracks. And we would go down what's called the main strip outside the base. It's where the bars were and the, uh, the women of the night were and the rough life was. And so we would go out every Friday night and we would pass out gospel tracts to the people on the streets. And I had a friend, his name was Steve. And Steve said to me, I'm getting out of the Marine Corps. And I said, praise the Lord. He said, I'm going to be a preacher, man. I'm going to preach the gospel. I'm going to tell people how to get saved. And I said, Steve, I said, I don't know a lot. I was a brand new Christian. I don't know a lot. I said, but I do know this. I said, Steve, if you're going to be a pastor, I think you should have a wife. I said, you really probably need to get a wife. And he looked at me and he opened his little New Testament and he showed me that verse, verse number 19 of Philippians chapter four. You might want to take a look there. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Now, as a brand new Christian, I looked at him and I said, wow, that is awesome. There's a great promise that God's going to give my pastor friend a wife because he needs one to be a preacher, right? That makes sense. But you know what I've learned since that time? You can't take a razor blade, cut out verse number 19, pull it off the page and claim it like it's a for fortune cookie promise. You can't do that. You can't say, my God will supply all my needs. My God shall supply all my needs. You can't do that. You have to do something that I know you do here. You have to take that Bible verse in context. Amen. Number one, I always do this wherever I go. I know you folks know this, but number one, what is context? Context is number one, who is speaking? Number two, to whom are they speaking to? And number three, and what are they speaking about? You have to take the Bible in context. All bad teaching comes from taking the Bible out of its proper context. So what we have here is we have the Apostle Paul as he speaks to the believers in the city of Philippi, to the Christians in the local assembly, the Baptist church in the city of Philippi. And he is saying, God will supply your needs. But I want you to read with me a verse. I want you to take a look real quick with me. We're going to back up just a little bit. I want you to see. As we begin reading now, and we'll begin our reading again in verse 12. I know how to abase and abound, and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things, I am instructed to be uh, full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. Verse 14, notwithstanding, ye have well done that ye did communicate 
with my affliction. Now that communicate is not speaking. It's a little further on. Look at it. Verse 15. Here's the answer of the communication between Paul, the missionary and the church in the city of Philippi. Now ye Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. Now, would you look up here for just a moment? Paul is saying, the missionary is saying to the church, nobody communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but only you. You're the only ones that did this kind of a communication with me. And I want you to see uh, the phrase in that verse where it says, the beginning of the gospel. Can we say that together? Would you say that with me? And there's a reason for this, and you'll see in just a few minutes here. Would you say that with me? Ready? The beginning of the gospel. Let's do that again together one more time. Ready, guys? We're ready on the front row, nice and loud. Here we go. The beginning of the gospel. Man, there's some preaching, these guys. They're loud and strong voices. Okay. Now, I'm going to take that phrase, and what we're going to do is we're going to do something. We're going to drive around the back roads. We're going to lay some groundwork, and then we're coming back to that phrase, the beginning of the gospel. And if you'll follow me, you'll see where I'm going in just a little bit. All right. The beginning of the gospel. That's not talking about when Jesus was on earth with the 12 apostles. Okay. That is talking about when the message, the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ came to that non-Jewish city, came to those Gentile people in that region called Macedonia, in that city called Philippi. Think of it as the state of Ohio with chief cities in it like Cleveland, amen? Cleveland, Columbus, Cincinnati. Nobody said amen about Cleveland. What, you guys not Browns fans down here? What's up with that? Okay, so <laughs> say again. You like the bank? Never heard of them. All right, so we'll just, uh, just praise God for the Browns. It's okay, actually. So we'll just keep going. Okay, so that is when the gospel first came to this region. Some folks don't understand this, and this is a side note. People say, well, really, what's the difference between a pastor and a missionary? This is how I help young people remember it. (laughs) No, no. Good looks, great strength, and a pastor. (laughs) So anyway, no, what I'm trying to get you to see is this, is a pastor stays planted. Do you get that? A pastor stays planted, and he stays right here, and he shepherds. A missionary moves on. We start churches and we keep moving as we start more and more churches. A pastor in the congregation, you grow up together, you grow old together, but a missionary trains a man like the young man you saw in my video, leaves him as the pastor, and a missionary moves on. So that's what Paul's saying. In the beginning of the gospel, no church communicated with me. Now, if you have your Bibles, keep your place there in Acts chapter 4. And I want you to go back with me in time. I want you to go back in time chronologically with me to Acts chapter 13. Acts chapter number 13 this morning. We're going back about approximately 15 to 18 years earlier than when Paul wrote to the Christians in Philippi. We're going back to what we call the beginning of the gospel in that city of Philippi. Go with me to Acts chapter 13. Look with me in verse number one. It'll be, and I'll begin our reading in verse uh, number one. We're going to look at a lot of verses this morning. All right. Acts 13 verse one. The Bible says this. Now there were in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers as Barnabas and Simeon that was called Niger and Lucius of Cyrene and 
Menaean, that guy, which had been brought up with Herod, the Tetrarch, and Saul. And look at verse 2. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. And when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. All right. Picture it in your mind, the context here. Now, again, we're looking at the beginning of the gospel in Philippi. We're in Antioch. We're in the church. All of a sudden, the men are having prayer time. They're fasting. The church is praying and asking God to give direction. And the Holy Spirit tells the body, I want you to take two men out of your congregation. I want you to take Saul, which is the guy we know as Paul, and Barnabas. And I want you to separate them from this church. I want you to pull them out of the congregation. And I want you to lay hands on them and send them out. That's the way it was 2,000 years ago. That's what happened to myself and my family. They separated us from the Cleveland Baptist Church. We knelt down. The leadership laid hands on me and they sent us to the field of Ireland. You see, there's a Bible teaching right there. That's the way you do it. And so Saul got on the road and he began to preach the gospel. Look at what happens. Drop down in Acts chapter 13 to uh, we're going to pick it up. Acts chapter 16. Go with me to Acts chapter 16 this morning. Acts chapter 16. And I want you to look with me in Acts chapter 16. I'll begin reading in verse uh, 6 this morning. Acts chapter 16. Now remember, we just left the church of Antioch. These two missionary men in a team went out together. Look at Acts 16 and verse number 6. Now when they had gone through Phrygia and the region of Galatia and were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia, after they were come to Messiah... They essayed to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit suffered them not. Okay. They leave the church. These two men say, right, Lord, we want to go into the east. We want to go into Asia. We want to go this direction. But the Holy Spirit of God said, I don't want you guys going this way. I need you two to follow me and listen to me, the Holy Spirit. And I need you to go into the west. I need you, Paul, to be the missionary to the Gentiles. I need you to open the gates to the Western people. And so they listened to the Holy Spirit and they followed him and they went into the region we know as Macedonia to preach unto them. Question for you while we're we're pause here for just a minute. Is it wrong to want to go into Asia and wrong to want to see people saved there? Absolutely not. But you see, God has a plan. Just like God has a plan for Paul's life, he has a plan for Jerome's life, he has a plan for all of your lives too. But we need to be willing to listen to the Holy Spirit of God. Amen? And so Paul listened and he went into the region of Macedonia because God wanted the Bible and God wanted the gospel message to go from the east to the west, up into Europe, from Macedonia, over uh, through Greece, up into... um, the uh, uh, western part of Europe, up into Germany, across Germany to make its way over into England, to make its way over hundreds of centuries over time, to cross the Atlantic, to land in the Americas. And because we, because Paul obeyed the gospel and the Holy Spirit's leading and took the gospel to the west into Europe, I believe with all my heart, you and I sit here today at Grace Baptist Church because a man obeyed the word of God. Aren't you glad he obeyed? Hey, folks, we need to be willing to listen to Holy Spirit, I'll go do anything you want, but I will not leave the Marine Corps and I will not be a preacher. Listen to the Holy Spirit when he prompts you and tells you. Amen. Amen. Listen to God's call. Listen for his voice through the word of God. Let's keep reading the same chapter. Look at verse number eight. Now, the Bible says this in verse number eight of chapter 16. 
And they passed by Messiah and came down to Troas. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night and prayed him, saying, Come over into Macedonia and help us. And after he had seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us, Saul and Barnabas, for to preach the gospel unto them. Now, again, we just laid that groundwork. If you look up here for just a moment, Paul and Barnabas are now in the country where God has called them to preach. For 16 years, God has told me, you need to preach the gospel to the Irish Catholic people. The Holy Spirit leads and tells you where to go, and then he may lead and tell you to stay, or he may tell you to move on, but you need to listen to the Holy Spirit of God. And make sure it lines up with the word of God. Now, let's keep reading verse 12. Now, look at what it goes on to say in verse 12. And from thence to Philippi, which is the chief city of that part of Macedonia and a colony. And we were in that city abiding certain days. Now, again, we're going to stop and start a lot. I need you to look up here if you don't mind. I don't mean to be rude, but it's the only way I can get all this groundwork done in just a few minutes. If we look and listen and look and listen, I appreciate you bearing with me next. You know, tonight you can get back to pastor and he'll give you some good preaching. You just put up with the missionary for today. Amen. And so, um, so Paul shows up in Philippi. He begins to Look around at all these Gentiles. He sees they're lost. They're pagans. They're of the devil. They have no God. They have no truth. They have too many false gods, I should say. And he begins to, uh, to, he begins to reach out to these people and to begin to teach them uh, the very words of God. Now, where do we leave off? And from Philippi. All right, look with me at verse 14. Now, he finds someone. Look at verse 14. New paragraph, verse 14. He's in Philippi. And a certain woman named Lydia... Lydia Alter, there you go. Lydia, a certain woman named Lydia, a seller of purple of the city of Thyatira, which worshiped God, heard us, whose heart the Lord opened, that she attended unto the things which were spoken of Paul. And when she was baptized and her household, she besought us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and abide there. And she constrained us. Now, I want you to picture this woman, Lydia, if you will look up here for just a moment, please. This woman is a Gentile. She has her own business. She sells purple. She has a household. She's in charge of servants. This woman is not a detriment to society. She is a positive contributor to society. All right. So you know what? Now, I need volunteers. So you guys don't panic. I'm going to need one girl and one boy. If you, you don't have to say anything, I won't ask you questions. I just need you to stand up front. OK, I got my boy. I need a girl who will be the thank you, young lady. Not yet. You guys stay there for now. OK, first, I need Lydia. Lydia, would you come up here, please? All right, you know, okay. I need Lydia to come up here, okay? Here is my dear darling seller of purple woman, okay? Okay, this is Lydia. She's a contributor to society. She she makes money. She has a business. A household depends on her. Positive things come out of this working business woman. She's a good woman. But you know what she is? She's lost. But she's searching. God's opened her heart. So God sends the missionary to her because she's ready to receive the truth. And the Bible says Paul and Saul showed up in the city of Philippi, preached the word of God to the successful business-minded person, and she trusted Christ, and everyone in her family and everyone that worked for her got saved according to the scriptures. Amen? Amen. 
That's the way. Remember, pastor said we need to reach these kind of people in society. And can I say that it's pretty obvious to me? I get in a lot of churches. This is kind of a Lydia crowd today. We have a Lydia type church here. Okay, you're kind of like this woman, whether you be male or female, doesn't matter. But this is the person you mostly represent in society. But the Bible doesn't stop there. Paul's in that city and he's preaching the the beginning of the gospel to the people in Philippi. But I want you to notice something. I want you to look with me at verse 16 in the Bible says in Acts chapter 16, verse 16, new paragraph. And it came to pass as we went to prayer, Paul and Barnabas, uh, we went to prayer. A certain damsel possessed with a spirit of divination met us, which brought her masters much gain by soothsaying. The same followed Paul and us and cried, saying, these are the servants of the most high God, which show us the way unto salvation. And this she did many days. But Paul, being grieved, turned and said to the spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. Now, notice this last sentence. And he. Let me say that again. And he came out the same hour. Now here's a damsel, which is a young woman. And she's demon possessed. And she follows Paul and saw, uh, Barnabas everywhere they go. And she goes, these are the servants of the Most High God, which show us the way of salvation. These are the servants of the Most High God, which show us the way of salvation. These are, talk about OCD, amen? These are the servants of the Most High God, which show us the way of salvation. And she did it day after day. And Paul turns around and looks at this young damsel and says, and I command you in the name of Jesus Christ, to come out of her. By the way, spirits have genders, it sounds like in the Bible. It's a him upon her. Do you understand that? Inside of her is a male spirit. So you watch out when... Isn't that right, Bob? You watch out when a woman... <laughs> oh, you told them the secret. They're all laughing. They know. You watch out for that stuff. You watch out for that stuff. So, young lady, if you don't mind coming up here, I need my demon-possessed damsel. You still volunteer, all right? So, you don't look very demon-possessed. You look very nice. Look at, remember, <laughs> somebody has to do the job, right? So you have to fill your role, right? So they get the message, okay? So you go stand by Lydia. Now, this young lady, she, doesn't, she is not a con positive contributor to society. Stand a little closer. She doesn't bite, okay? And she, uh, she is not a positive contributor like Lydia. This one is a detriment to society. She's part of the problem. She's part of the youth movement. You know what? Can I be honest with you? You know what she represents? She represents those kids with the riveted studs in their faces and, and, and tattoos up and down their body and, and bags of drugs in their pockets and that music that drives you insane. And by the way, can I say right now and stop right here? I'm not passing judgment on anyone, but that's me. That's who I was. That's what I was. I was not this kind of a person. I was this kind of a person with the drugs and the crime and the wrong. But you know what? Just as much as good people need to be saved, troubled people need to be saved too. Amen? And praise God, he saved my life and saved my soul. So what we have here in the city of Philippi, now let me say this. Okay, I have to be clear because the Bible does not say this young woman got saved. But I do know that the devils came out of her. And I do know that when the devils come out of her, she's probably more susceptible. And I'm not absolute on this and the Bible's silent on this. But I'm just if you'll allow me pastor that much room, I will just speculate that probably out of appreciation for God delivering her from the demons, she probably got saved, probably got saved. But she represents that demon possessed uh, problem people in society that both need Christ. Now, I'd like you to drop with me. Um, 
I'd like you to drop with me in Acts chapter 16. We'll pick it up in verse number 29. And, I want, and I'm, I'm just going to fill in the gap here real quick. What happened is Paul and Silas were, um, Barnabas were preaching. And what happened was they preached. And because they preached the word of God, they got thrown in jail. And that may come again someday when you stand for the truth and you stand for the word of God. You may have to go visit pastor someday in jail for preaching the word of God. Those days may be coming. We don't know. But anyway, long story short, the Bible teaches us that they were thrown in jail and the Philippian jailer was guarding them. And they said, you better not let these guys get away. They better not get out of prison. And so all of a sudden, God sent an earthquake. The doors flung open. The jailer wakes up in the night. He sees all the cells are open. He draws his sword. He says, it's over. The government's going to execute me because my prisoner, the preachers, escaped. I might as well end my life right now. It's finished. And so he draws his sword. And the Bible says that he gets, teaches us that he gets ready to kill himself. And all of a sudden, Paul says, stop. We're all here. Don't do it. Praise God for divine intervention. Amen. And so... He was, who does this mean? I need my volunteer. Who was the man? You were the man? Okay, so we have the Philippian jailer. Would you stand over here? He was ready to take his life, but thank God, God intervened. He said, don't take your life. We're all here. And the Bible says that that man looked at the preacher and fell down and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? Isn't that a great question that everyone needs to ask? What must I do to be saved from hell? He realized that he had a need. He needed Jesus Christ. The Bible says that the jailer got saved, Mrs. Jailer got saved, and all the little convicts in their household got saved. Amen? And so, you know, the whole family got saved. And so now, do you see what we have here? In unison, say it together. What city was Paul in with all of these people? What city in the Bible is it? Say it with me. Let's do it again together. Ready? What city is he in? Oh, so we have Paul getting people saved, a household, another household, possibly an individual. These people get saved, biblically saved. They get baptized. And all of a sudden, what do we have in the city of Philippi? We have a local New Testament immersionist spirit and dwell congregation of believers. We call it a Baptist church. Amen. What's the difference between that and the work that we're doing today? It should be the same thing. Too many believers that you and I know think missions work is only for the jungles and the third world to feed the starving. And praise God, feed the starving. Feed the starving. We support missionaries in Africa. Clothe the naked. We please clothe the naked. We need to do these things in the third world setting, right? Uh, where did the heathen go? Walmart, the beach. That's another story. Uh, anyway, on airplanes, Disneyland, wherever. They're everywhere, right? But we think of missions as only the third world and the impoverished people. But really, missions is church planting. Amen. Can I get amen right there? Amen. Right. So church planting. So we have a church. So why did I do all this? This is the groundwork for the beginning of the gospel. Ten years prior to when, sorry, 18 years prior to when Paul wrote the book of Philippi to the Philippians. And a church was established in that city in Macedonia because a man obeyed the spirit of God and the word of God. So you folks have a seat real quick. Now I'm going to pastor. I'm going to preach my sermon in the beginning of the gospel. Now I'm going to preach my sermon. Go back to Philippians. Let's go forward 18 years briefly. Philippians chapter four. Now let's look at the Bible in the beginning of the gospel in context 18 years ahead. 
18 years ahead. Uh, I, I shouldn't have had you guys sit down, but that's okay. That's all right. Okay, so I want you to see with me. Now we can read it. Now look at verse 15 as we uh, close up the sermon here. Now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, that's where they live, no church communicated as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. For even in Thessalonica, ye sent once and again unto my necessity. Not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. But I have all and abound. I am full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. Let's pause there for just a moment, all right? Can I get you to help me one more time? Yes, all right, thank you, brother. He's a good man. Take these two things over there. Okay, now we know he was the Philippian jailer, but in context, the Bible said Paul left them. He went to Thessalonica. Guess what Paul was doing when he was in the city of Thessalonica? Looking for lost people who want to get saved. By the way, we should be looking for lost folks who want to get saved, amen? As the Spirit leads us, okay? Epaphroditus comes to Paul, and the Bible says, ye sent once and again unto my necessity. Now, I want you to give me one of those, just one. Now go home to Philippi. You with me? All right. Ye sent once. So when, you, when the church gives to a missionary, it's not so that we can build a compound. It's not so that we can have billions of dollars in Swiss bank accounts. It's for my necessity. You see, I have a wife and I have children and they need food and they need clothes. I have a wife and three daughters. They need shoes. Amen. Boy, oh man, they need shoes. But anyway, unto my necessity so that we can pay our bills, so that we can have a home, so that we can preach the gospel. You see, if you have to work a full-time job, it's really hard to pastor a church full-time and work a full-time job. Amen? Pastoring is a heavy burden and it never goes away. You take it home with you every night, 24-7. So they sent, the church sent once, but they didn't just send it one time. The Bible says, what does it say? And again. You see, because he ate the food, the clothes wore out, the bills weren't paid. And again, now you can go back to the church. You see, the church gave to the missionary once and again. That is an absolute beautiful picture of why we give missions money. Dare I say faith promise? Faith promise. That's why we give to missionaries once and again so that they can be free to do the work of the missionary in that city and then move on as they need. So you sent once and again into my necessity. Go ahead and sit down, please. Not because I want your money, not because I desire a gift. But because I, the missionary, Paul, the missionary, desire fruit, not apples, not oranges, not bananas, not pears, not grapes. But I desire fruit that may abound to your account. Does that make sense? You say amen if you see the picture here. Does that make sense? Okay. So now, Grace Baptist Church, you look at all those people that were in our slides. You sent money to me. I was able to go knock on their doors. I was able to drink coffee and witness to them. I was able to make friendships with them. I was able to spend time with them. Those people, biblically, in context, are now fruit to your account. But it gets better. That will abound. That will abound. It's not just a basket of fruit. It's basket after basket after basket. You see, I'm leaving a young man behind me in Ireland. And he leads the church that supports 18 missionaries around the world. 
giving $2,000 a month around the world to preach the gospel. And that investment in my life was an investment in his life, which was fruit to your account. And as that church gives to missions, it is an abounding and an abounding and an abounding blessing. And every penny, God keeps good records. Amen? Amen. And you are going to be able to see all the fruit that you abound. Why would we invest in retirement? In stock markets, 401ks, IRAs. Don't say IRA in Ireland. It's a bad word. IRAs. Why would you invest in all of these things? It's for the future. It's for productivity. It's for growth. It's so that we can have a retirement. Your retirement in heaven is your investment in the work of God for abounding fruit down here. Now, follow this. Here's my sermon outline. Number one, the church gave. Number two, the missionary received. And finally, this, this morning, number three, The God of heaven is pleased. Look at verse 18. But I have all in chapter four, Philippians, but I have all and abound. I am full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you. Now look at this, an odor, a smell. Here we go. Watch this. An odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice, well acceptable, pleasing to God. So the Bible teaches us, look up here for just a moment, please, that when... The church gives, the missionary receives, people are saved. For some reason, that process, God goes like this, just like in the Old Testament, but in the New Testament. An odor. Follow me. A sweet smell. A sacrifice. Well-pleasing to God. You are well-pleasing to God when you do it the Bible way. When you give to missions, God's way. Now, the church is God's bride. And this is my bride. And when she puts on a little perfume, I go, an odor, woo, a sweet smell, yes. And a sacrifice well-pleasing to her groomsmen. But for some reason, God has laid it out in his word that when a church obeys his plan that way, it is an acceptable and well-pleasing sacrifice because you obeyed the word of the Lord. Amen. Now let's close with verse 19. Paul says to the church he started, but my God, shall supply all your need, not your greed, not your wants, but all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. God will supply the needs as we give as a church collectively, as we give as individuals, as the spirit leads us. But the questions this morning are simple. This is a giving church. Friends, this is a giving church. You have a giving pastor. You are a giving church. And I know you are collectively, but maybe there's some in here that say, I'm just not involved in that. I don't give to missions outside of my tithe. I don't, maybe I don't tithe. But you know what? Maybe you need to be a part of what was laid out in context, scripturally and biblically. Maybe the Holy Spirit wants you to be involved in having fruit. Are you willing to give? Are you willing to get involved with a giving-minded church? But let me say this also. And it's good the young people are here. I like to do this the best. But I say it to the men in the back row as well. Are you willing to go? Are you willing to go? Oh, it's fine that you send the funny little guy that's twice as handsome as your pastor. You know, that's fine. We'll send him overseas. That's fine. Okay. But are you willing to go? And you, are you willing to go? Are you willing to forsake your career as a doctor, as a lawyer, as an engineer, as an officer in the army? Are you willing to give up being a jet pilot? Are you willing to give up the directions that you want to go? And are you willing to say, Holy Spirit, if you call me, I will go. Folks, but I know men that have left for the foreign field in the age of 60. 
Are you willing to give up everything to have fruit that will abound to your account? Let's pray together this morning. Father, we thank you for this time. We thank you for this wonderful congregation. Holy Spirit of God, I pray that you deal with people's hearts as only you see fit. This time we'll ask pastor to come and lead the congregation as he sees.